0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear, and then we talk about it. This is page 868. My eyes focused on Kryn. Her hair was windblown, her young face tired. She looked at me timidly. Sir, it's getting dark. I looked around and saw twilight creeping in from the east. I was bone weary and had fallen into a walking doze after we had stopped for lunch at midday. Just call me Quoth Kryn. Thanks for jogging my elbow. My mind was somewhere else. Crin gathered wood and started a fire. I unsaddled the horses, then fed and rubbed them down. I took a few minutes to set up the tent, too. Normally, I don't bother with such things, but there had been room for it on the horses, and I guessed the girls weren't used to sleeping out of doors. After I finished with the tent, I realized I'd only brought one extra blanket from the troop's supplies. There would be a chill tonight, too, if I was any judge of such things. Dinner's ready, I heard Crin call. I tossed my blanket and the spare one into the tent and headed back to where she was finishing up. She'd done a good job with what was available. Potato soup with bacon and toasted bread. There was a green summer squash nestled into the coals as well. Ellie worried me. She had been the same all day, walking listlessly, never speaking or responding to anything Crin or I said to her. Her eyes would follow things, but there was no thought behind them. Kryn and I had discovered the hard way that if left to herself, she would stop walking or wander off the road if something caught her eye. Crane handed me a bowl and spoon as I sat down. It smells good, I complimented her. She half-smiled and dished a second bowl for herself. She started to fill a third bowl, then hesitated, realizing Ellie couldn't feed herself. Would you like some soup, Ellie? I asked in normal tones. It smells good. She sat blankly by the fire, staring into nothing. Do you want to share mine? I asked as if it was the most natural thing in the world. I moved closer to her and blew on a spoonful to cool it. Here you go. Ellie ate it mechanically, turning her head slightly in my direction toward the spoon. Her eyes reflected the dancing patterns of the fire. They were like the windows of an empty house. I blew on another spoonful and held it out to the blonde girl. She opened her mouth only when the spoon touched her lips. I moved my head, trying to see past the dancing firelight in her eyes, desperately hoping to see something behind them. Anything. I bet you're an L, aren't you? I said conversationally. I looked at Crin, Short for Ellie. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. And I'm Jeremy. I'm a gumbo slurping swamp man. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for some reason, I can't. I'm sorry, Jordana. I, I feel bad actually now that I was able to like do a whole character about you, but I can't seem to muster the same enthusiasm for Jeremy. Do you? Do you have one in mind? Do you want to be Jeremy while he's away?
1: No, I'm not good at I'm not good at the accents. I would just talk about how much I don't like pie or donuts.
0: Yeah. So go ahead. Hey Jeremy, how do you how do you feel about pie? I hate pie. they are all terrible. you How do you feel about, about, about closer reading, Jeremy?
1: <laughs> it's terrible. What am I doing here?
0: <laughs> who's who's got better opinions? You or Nick? Uh,
1: Jordana. <laughs>
0: oh. Breaking character. Jeremy would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Ellie already short for something?
1: Ellie, depending on how you spell it, I think can be short for Eleanor or Eloise.
0: Yeah. There's all kinds of things Ellie could be short for. So for L being short for Ellie, it seems like, it seems like, a re- I get that Kvothe is just trying to and like. He's just
1: coming up with random stuff to say at this point.
0: <laughs> he's just trying to like coax something out of her, some kind of reaction.
1: I mean, good that they're, that she's eating though. Like.
0: Yeah. I, so I want to talk about that actually. Like, I don't know anything about Catatonia. But it seems like she has sort of like the perfect amount where she will, she will eat when prompted and like will walk. Uh, You know, she's not like fully lived. She doesn't have to be carried. She isn't so unresponsive that she won't eat. I don't know if this is a real state. uh, But perhaps for the first time, it feels a bit less than verisimilitudinous because, as you said, it is extremely lucky that she is sort of in the perfect place where she has retreated enough to be worrying to quote and to give us this scene but not so much that she is like a drag to handle.
1: Yeah. I feel like it also, like it gives Kvothe, uh the opportunity to be a nice guy, which I think this wants to provide to us as readers. He wants to be like, see, like he's trying, look at him trying. And it's like, yes, he is trying. This is true.
0: Yeah. And he's been doing that throughout. Like I think.
1: This, this scene just like really spotlights it, I feel like more so than the other scenes.
0: Yeah, but, but also, you know, I think there's a distinction between, like, capital NG, nice guy, who might be, like, a bit more cloying, and then this is sort of, like, therapist quoth who is extremely understanding and not, like...
1: He is he is lowercase n, nice guy.
0: Yeah, he's being, like, a proper trauma responder, rather than, you know, white knighting or whatever. Uh, again, like, a less deft author might, might have this scene go that way. Like... Rothfuss, I think, unfairly gets criticism for, you know, having a story that engages in sexual violence and having a, a a main character who, like, rescues girls from those situations. But I think he does a good job of engaging with without reveling in the, like, the uncomfortable truths about dealing with it. And he doesn't, like put Quoth on a pedestal for behaving this way. He doesn't say, like, Quoth is such a hero. The girls are so grateful. They're still wary of him. They continue to be, basically, throughout the entire sequence. And Quoth also is, like, extremely understanding and not pushy at all. And he's just sort of, like, giving them the space they need while continuing to take care of them. This strikes me as a good model for how to, like, and you know, I wouldn't, obviously, like, look at this as a Uh, as a handbook for how to deal with, with people who have been in this situation, but it strikes me as a better, more verisimilatologist and more like emotionally intelligent way of dealing with and portraying this experience that I've seen in many other books.
1: Well, and also I guess it's worth mentioning that like Quoth could have just bailed on them after he killed the troop.
0: That's true. He could have, he
1: could have just left them there and been like, see ya. Picking the horses,
0: <laughs> He could have. I feel like He'd that heard. is like absolutely, he- like that would lose us as, as Quoth. Right? The other yes, thing is yeah, that no, none
1: of us would like Quoth after that. We'd all be like, you monster. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's, it's a thing he could have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it speaks to his character that he did it. And he like, you know, he has an appointment to keep essentially, but he's willing to, again, it, it goes back to like, what is right action, right? Like, I think he would do this regardless, but now he's sort of wrestling with this was obviously the right thing to do, but was it the right way to do it? And, you know, could he have saved more people? I think that's what he's kind of getting to at the end of this when he starts to think about Krin again and why he's ruminating on the on the um, Thani is like, you know, were there more victims here? And again, the book doesn't dig into this, doesn't revel in it, but we've picked up on it in this read. And I think it speaks to the quality of the book that it at least faints in that direction, that Quoth is aware of it and Quoth is sparring with it mentally. And again, also to mentioned the unreliable narrator again we don't until the very very end get any insight into what's happening in his head and even when we do get that insight we just sort of have the the moment playing over and over we don't get a playthrough of his thoughts but of course what does that sound like a moment playing over and over it's a trauma. It's a trauma response.
1: Oh, okay. I was like, "There's an answer you're looking for, and I don't know what it is." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to put this you on was the spot. A test. <laughs> no, it's not a test. I'm just trying to, you know, be a bit Socratic. But I'm, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is that it's a trauma response to like to relive a moment over and over. And so I put to you that Kvoth himself is traumatized by participating in this violence, and that is what he yes. is dealing with in this in this sequence. Like he's also yeah, trying. Well, to Well, I was it thinking
1: about uh, the other page when we were talking about. The brand, and I was like, "This is like a something that could potentially uh, cause someone to develop something like PTSD." Except for that, quoth probably already has that, so it's probably just making it worse.
0: Well, we know quoth has PTSD, right? We know that he he goes back to the moment and where he smells the blood and burning hair um, when he feels that way, like, and you know, he has the fugue state of living in the uh, in the forest that he thinks about also sometimes. So we know he's got PTSD, not to mention his own response to um, encountering sexual helplessness because we know that he himself is a survivor. So I think you're absolutely right that that is a is a component of it. And again, narrator doesn't talk about that stuff, which is really interesting. And again, that is what unreliable narrator means. It doesn't mean the narrator is lying to you. It means that the narrator is leaving stuff out.
1: They're withholding.
0: Yeah, they're withholding for a reason like that serves their character, not to manipulate you the reader Um, although it might also have that side effect but what it actually means is that the narrator like can and will withhold things from you to serve their character
1: and i mean kvothe is not like it's not personal he's not he's not holding withholding something from uh us the reader he's withholding something from uh the community of temerant because really what's happening is that uh, verbalizing his story to chronicler
0: it's true so that i mean you open a can of worms there Because i am of the opinion that he doesn't intend for this book to get like widely circulated i think he's telling the story to chronicler for some very specific purpose i don't think it's to tell his story to the world right. so you know, remains to be seen what exactly that is but i do not believe that he's just like yes we shall publish my memoirs I think that it's a bit more specific than that. So I'm I'm skeptical of the idea that he wants this information in wide circulation. I think that there's something else going on. But TBD.
1: Indeed. Uh, I am out of things, I think, for this page.
0: All right, let's read another letter. Egg. From Patrick Not Rothis, who writes on page 834 on the Tall. Hello, pagers. On this page, Penthe says, if she were to... Co- if she were to contract an STI from a fellow Adam, she would go to the Tall to be cured. You three have considerable discussion on why she may go to the TAL over other medical institutions like the Medica at the university. The TAL come up a couple of times before this, which gives us some hints. In the Golden Screw story, it says the boy goes to, quote, the witch women of the Tall, and they do not know the purpose of the screw. We get a little more information earlier on after Quoth tells the story of Skiop. Simmon asks where they would go if they could go anywhere, and Quoth says he would go to the Tall. When asked for a reason, he says, I heard a story once that said the leaders of their tribe aren't great warriors, they're singers. Their songs can heal the sick and make the trees dance. It seems that the tall have some kind of mysterious magic which explains why the Adem may seek them out in times of need. On a smaller point, Jeremy says there's only one university and one Medica. These are both incorrect. More than once, when Kvothe says he is attending the university, he is asked which university. Also on page 833, Quoth refers to the Medica as the greatest school of medicine in all the world, which implies there are other schools of medicine. Thanks, as always, signed Patrick Rothfuss.
1: I'm glad someone else is close reading this book because I forgot a lot of those things (laughs) or just didn't know them.
0: Yeah, well, me too. You know, the tall are mentioned a few times, but because they aren't like the other thing is that there's a book missing, right? So we don't know what's important yet. We can read book one and go, ah, they're talking about the ADM here we know that the Adem are important, but like it's easy to just blast past that in book one. And similarly, like, I don't know, is Kwoth going to the Tall in book three? Maybe. Maybe this is all important seeded stuff. Also, here's another uh, here's another crackpot for you. We think there's some compelling evidence that the Edemera and the Ademara are from the same root culture. What if there's a third spin-off culture? What if the the tall are also split off from that same culture? Or at least, what if there's more than two? I think it's more you know? likely that they. doesn't be necessarily the, root of the
1: two cultures than that they'd be another split off.
0: Maybe, but why would that culture still exist? Or you think there's two like cultures that both exiled themselves? Hmm. I mean, I think two makes sense because we know that there's the Aetha and Retha who are like the Romulus and Remus of the, the Edemic story. So like, there's a clear schism there, where like the followers of one might go, um, but you know. Who knows? I just think it's interesting. We haven't talked about yet the idea that there might be more splinter cultures. This is something we haven't touched on either, so I don't have a fully formed thought on this yet, but there's sort of like the quote-unquote civilized cultures of the world, which all kind of have an empire or a government, and then there's these sort of less civilized cultures that are on the fringes or are have, um, that are a bit more mysterious in how they operate and what they do, and that would include the tall, right? Like, there's the Adem, the Edamara, and the Tal are also spoken of in whispered tones, but they don't seem to have like a government in the way that the Shaldish do. Or I mean, we the, don't know because um, we
1: don't have enough information about it? it. We don't know that they do or they don't.
0: Yeah, but but like you know, the Tall don't like travel. There's no Tall person at the at the university, right? Like they seem in the same way that there's no Adamic people at the university and quoth is the only Ruh. Like this is actually an interesting thing that's just occurring to me now, is that there are these cultures at the margins of the story and in some ways those cultures seem to be more in tune with magic than the quote-unquote civilized cultures who are sort of in the center and who have cities and empires and things like that and kings so that is a lens that i might try to apply in the last (laughs) hundred pages or so just to kind of see if there's anything there but i yeah but like that's just occurring to me that's kind of interesting and i you know what does that say about what the book is trying to say you know, especially because Quoth himself is from one of these marginalized cultures. I think it's the end of an episode, yeah. so listeners, it's the end of an episode. You can support the show and other things by going to page of dot com and clicking the various links. Did you know that Jordana has a merch shop wherein there are many great merches? You can put our designs on anything from a pencil case to a bagel case.
1: Uh, no, but also shower curtains, which is a hilarious option.
0: Oh man, yeah, you should totally get the shower curtain that is uh you know what? Actually the like the stained glass cloth would, would be beautiful be cool. on a shower curtain. Say maybe Yeah. It,
1: also you can get a matching bath mat so you could get like stained glass quoth on the on the shower curtain and stained glass like I don't know heliacs on the bath mat.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be so yeah, also, just, like, yeah, stomp on them in after in you have need a shower. You to
1: nerd out on the beach. Yeah
0: as as you should i also think jordana that there's like we should double down on some of these like meme designs like i think that the the rick and morty one is hysterical it's
1: funny anymore because people don't care about rick and morty anymore
0: yeah well rick and morty is in a difficult like position but i still think it's it's funny and like those who know know i don't know i just think we should double down on those kind of designs because they're they're great i think they're hilarious we've got some good there's some good meat on those bones Maybe we should just do designs that are like the various King Killer memes. We should do. We should do like a T-shirt that's the Eric Andre "Let Me In" meme, for example. You made it. You made that meme. You did. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think I made it for a T-shirt. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That thing, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, but like you should just transfer them to the because you know people. How about this? The, the... If
1: if people either send us mail regarding the memes and or talk about it on Discord about how they absolutely need meme T-shirts and or other merch, then I'll do it. But until I hear interest from someone who is not you, it's not happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, you heard it. We need the public to speak. So go to the Discord. You can join at the link at pageofthewind.com and write uh, in one of the channels, at Jordana, <laughs>
1: <This is the laughs> I want, want. <laughs>
0: this merch. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear. But no, unironically, we'd love to hear your suggestions. If you there's merch you want to see, if there's any kind of designs, if there's like any kind of spinoff episodes you want to uh, to listen to. I like, my can, favorite merch is the happen. one
1: that's like, it's the black square and it says like pagers, the trio, like it's all of our epithets just like listed. Yeah. That one's my favorite. Yeah.
0: In that <laughs> format. Yeah. That's a good one. That'd be good on a tote bag. Also, if you want to have a, a complicated conversation when someone asks you about your shirt, uh, <laughs> you can go to our merch shop. And I, I I was sidetracked, but as you probably know, we also have a Patreon. Uh, You can go there, and you can subscribe for as low as one American dollar a month to hear our exclusive Patreon episodes, as well as some other bonuses. Or you can just go to Ko-Fi and uh, just tip us, buy us a Suenten. Indeed. It helps keep the lights on, don't you know?
1: And pay for our Zencaster.
0: (laughs) Yes, especially because uh, Zencaster has switched to a paid model. They have bamboozled us, and we have... Uh, semi-accidentally become committed to a subscription to Zencaster so uh, our costs have risen a little bit. That's not to say that we are in a danger of shutting down far from it. We will last a thousand years but uh, your donations are more appreciated than ever. In fact, in the past they were not appreciated
1: (laughs) 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 Hey, I got a lovely microphone out of some of those donations (laughs) As as did you, and also I guess will Jeremy at some point. I hope eventually.
0: Jeremy is a such, such a miser; <laughs> he's counting his coins in his in his money pit pool. I'm trying right. to end the episode, Jordana. Help me out I'm here. Sorry,
1: that's <laughs> the end of the episode. Goodbye. We'll Good see you tomorrow. We I'll
0: love you. Goodbye. Page of the wind.